You have the permission to take it home. It's yours. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17 to 34. Now, um, we, we finished our love series last month. Before that, we were in our New Year series. And before that, we were in our Christmas series. So we've discussed the birth of Christ and then everything that's new in January. And we spoke and learned about what love is as God has designed it. Um, so this afternoon's sermon is a bit different. This is a sermon where you, all of you, will later be able to participate. Don't worry, you won't be answering questions, but you will participate in, in the Lord's Supper because the Lord's Supper is a part of this sermon. I hope that you will discover, as we share in this special communion service together, um, a special and refreshing connection to our Lord. As you either find out for the first time why we do this, or a simple, uh, or a simple reminder for you. I want to begin this, uh, begin the message this afternoon by sharing a story that illustrates one of the challenges that always confronts us when we take the Lord's Supper. Now, here's a story of an. Uh, church in upstate New York. It's a small church, and they had a dearly beloved pastor who served them for 35 years. Imagine. And then after he retired, he was replaced by a young pastor. It was his church, and he had a great desire to do well, the young pastor. He had been at the church several weeks, and when he began to get the feeling that the people were upset at him, he didn't know what to do, but he eventually called out one of the lay leaders of the church and asked, have I done anything wrong? The man said, well, pastor, I hate to say it, but it's the way you do communion. In that denomination, they took the Lord's Supper each week. So they would come up front like we do it here and receive the elements from the pastor there. Here you do it with their deacons. The young man had been trained, and he was sure that he knew what he was doing. So he asked, the way I do communion service? What do you mean? Well, it's not so much what you do as what you leave out, said the layman. What do I leave out, asked the young pastor. Well, just before our previous pastor um, gave up before he gave up the cup he would always go over and touch the radiator the young pastor was mystified so he called the former pastor and asked about the touching the radiator the old pastor chuckled i touched the radiator to discharge the static electricity so i wouldn't shock them so for over 35 years the congregation thought that it was part of the Lord's Supper. <laughs> so loved ones, the Lord's Supper isn't about a precise way we distribute the bread and juice. Now we're not planning to change the way we do the Lord's Supper, but please hear me. The key issue when it comes to the Lord's Supper is to have a fresh and renewed encounter with Jesus that leaves us awestruck and at the magnitude of his great sacrifice for us. Now, sadly, it is possible to celebrate the communion service or the Lord's Supper 
and never really understand what it's all about. Some of you are just going through the motions. Some of you, because you came from the Catholic faith just like me, you think it's part of your salvation. So this is what we're trying to teach tonight, hopefully, because I know we once a month we exercise and observe the Lord's Supper. So I'm hoping that you are going to learn something new tonight. So if you're already in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 to 34, please read along with me. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have, no doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without, warning, without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry. Another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. For I received from the Lord what I also passed unto you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why... Many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for bringing all of us together this afternoon in this building that you've provided for us. We thank you for keeping us all safe. Thank you for keeping us warm and healthy despite the snowstorm, Lord God. We thank you for the songs that we're saying, for the people that sacrifice their time. We thank you for all your servants in this building, the security people, the cleaning ministry, the media people, Lord God, and the Sunday school teachers. Please bless them. We thank you for your word, and we ask for your Holy Spirit to be upon us tonight. Teach us and guide us, Father. Open our hearts and open our minds May we hear you, Father. Bless me, Father God, and anoint me once again. Lord God, forgive us for all of our sins. Let nothing, Lord God, about us and our shortcomings hinder us from hearing you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, I think I didn't have a title, huh? Or did I have a title? The title of our message tonight will be, This is My Body. This is My Body. We're starting our our. A series that I always call the road to the cross. <laughs> Mikey was making fun of me. They always have that. That is, I, I, I'm not creative. 
This is my body is the title. Do you guys hear um, that line usually? This is a seg this is a, a, a side note. Do you hear that line most of the time right now? This is my body? No? Some of you are saying yes, yes. You know what? It's being said by the, the women's group, the feminists that are fighting for abortion. They say, this is my body, this is my right. This is my body, this is my right. That's what they said, right? And what you're reading here is Jesus saying, this is my body, which is given up for you. See, everything about God and everything that God has written here, the world corrupts it. So the line of Jesus, which is so much about love and sacrifice, and he says, this is my body, who, which I'm giving for you. The world uses it. This is my body where I have the right to kill another being that's in me. That is not my message, but uh, I really tried to hold it in. But anyway, first point, the challenge, the problem, the challenge and the problem. Uh, in verses 17 to 22, if you guys would read that, and if you guys have it in your Bible, you can see there that the problem for those of us who know the story so well about keeping the Lord's Supper is really remembering what the Lord's Supper is for and it's about. What do I mean? Because if, it, if you do it most of the time, if you see it most of the time, you take it for granted. I've used this illustration before and I'm going to use it again. You know, so how many of you last year went, how many times did you go to Lake Tahoe last year? Because it's an hour away, right? With the exception of Alicia, I know most of us here <laughs> barely goes to Tahoe. We barely go to Tahoe. Now, this is, this is some stats from uh, tahoefund.org. Year-round resident population in Tahoe is 40,000. Total population can reach about 300,000 in its peak days, he says here. But listen, this is about 15 million people visit Lake Tahoe each year. 15 million! I went there once last year with the guys and we hiked. and I cramped, so... I, the last stretch. Embarrassing, but... I went once. How many times did you guys go? See, it's such a nice place, right? But we take it for granted. Ah, it's just right. It's right there. How about the free in the freeway going uh, 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 eastbound, and then you're gonna go merge to 395 South? Isn't it strange that when you one the, one of the signs there says Salt Lake, right? It says Salt Lake. I've never been to Salt Lake. But I know that that side says, if I keep going that side, I'm going to go to Salt Lake. What's the point? You see things, you experience things, you're around things that you take for granted. I know that it says Salt Lake, but I've never been to Salt Lake. It's the point of the Lord's Supper. When we observe the Lord's Supper here, do most of you or do all of you know why we're doing what we're doing? Or has it lost its significance? Oh, the juice is still so sour. Hmm. Who decided to use root beer tonight? <laughs> the bread is so yucky. The bread is matigas. It's so hard. It has no taste. It tastes like paper. It becomes about everything else. Or it's an excuse for you not to come in time. Because you know, oh, it's still Lord's Supper anyway. I have more time to be late. <laughs> it has lost its meaning for some. 
or we have taken it for granted, right? So that's the problem, the challenge and the problem. We have forgotten the real meaning of it. After we've celebrated the Lord's Supper as many times as we have celebrated here in this church, if, we're, if we are not careful, we will fall into the trap of it becoming somewhat of ordinary. Now, is this ordinary? Which is what happened to the Christians in Corinth. It became an ordinary or routine, and they had taken it for granted in these verses. Now, in those days, believers took communion or the Lord's Supper every week when they got together. When they got together to worship the Lord. We're never told how often it's supposed to be. It could be weekly, it could be monthly, it could be quarterly, or even yearly. So there's not a required time when we are to celebrate the Lord's Supper, but it's very clear that we are to celebrate it together. Amen? This is one of the things that we are to observe because God told us to do it. It's not in addition to your salvation. It is not to get you saved. It is a, 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 a celebration that you are to do if you have received Jesus as your Lord. It's you declaring to the world on what, who you belong to, just like baptism. Now, um, let's see if a little bit of background, I'll give you a little bit of background about the Lord's Supper in the early church. Uh, a special meal was associated with the Lord's Supper called, quote-unquote, love feast. It was their variation of what we call now potluck, potluck, potluck dinner. We call it pot bliss here. Because our founding pastor determined that us Christians, we don't believe in luck. We believe in blessings. So, hence we call our love feast, pot bless. <laughs> you can call it pot luck. I'm not going to take it against you. Now, I enjoy our meals together. I think most of you do too. The food is good and we enjoy each other's company. And it's a good thing, isn't it? If you didn't say yes, you're not welcome next week. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're always welcome. Now, it sounds like a good thing, right? For the Corinth, it was a good thing. They, it, but it only became a bad thing because the people who were there to celebrate Jesus, the people that were there to celebrate Jesus and the sacrifice that he had done for them, they were distracted by the meal, the love feast meal. And the pot bless or, or, or the Lord's, Lord's Supper only became an excuse for them to have a social occasion. That is, that is what happened here. Now, now consequently, consequently, it became an error. The, the love feast at Corinth was filled with division and drunkenness. When they met, instead of being drawn together and becoming one family, they tended to divide up into separate groups. The rich members of the congregation sat over on one side, and the poorer members sat over on the other side. Mm. Now, the picture Paul paints is that the rich families of the church would be enjoying quite a spread because they had money, so they, get to, they tend to bring more food. While some of the poorer families were going hungry, because there were, there, were, there were many of them 
but they were all broke together, so they will only share sardines and crackers. Well, over here, there's probably like 10 of them, but they had enough food for about 50. So it was, it was missing the point of it. Plus, it became about the meals rather than the Lord's Supper. The significance of why they were gathered together. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, some of the people who came were having so much, they came over after having so much to drink. Right? Sometimes they, they get they end up drinking at home and then they bring it to the church and then they keep drinking at church and then they get drunk at church. This is why we only serve juice here. <laughs> Imagine getting drunk at church. This is why we don't serve real wine. The love feast was also filled with drunkenness. In this atmosphere, we're celebrating Christ. Christ's sacrificial death should have been front and center. Jesus had been forgotten. The special service intended to remind his followers of the sacrifice God made in sending his son for our sins became a mockery. It was misrepresented. It was a total miss. The challenge of the Lord's Supper is keeping the Lord and what he did for us at the center of the celebration. I don't know about you when you know it's the Lord's Supper and it's Sunday and we say, the Sunday before we say, oh, next week we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. I don't know what, what it means to you anymore. So one of my, my, my desire tonight is that, this afternoon, is that when after this study that we do, that you will see and value the Lord's Supper for what God has intended for it to be. For us to remember what it took Him for us to be in a relationship with Him. The Lord's Supper is to be a time when all of us remember what Christ has done for us. And reflect. Reflect, meaning you think about it. You really take the time and meditate on that. Reflect upon how our shared need for salvation unites us. Our shared need for salvation for Christ is what unites us. And that is the other purpose of the Lord's Supper. At Corinth, it had become a time to show who had more money than others. We must never allow anyone or anything to become our focus when it comes to celebrating the Lord's Supper. It's a time when you should forget about everyone else. You should forget about everyone else, but you and the Lord... You and the Lord for that few minutes that we observe the Lord's Supper. Now, instead of going verse by verse, we're going to skip to the final verses. I hope you still have your Bibles there. We're going to skip to the final verses of the passage, passage where we will discover the gravity of the Lord's Supper. Now, these are verses 27 to 34. Now, to approach this special celebration in an unholy way, was nothing short of sin. While that may seem harsh, it's exactly what Paul says as he begins his, this final section of chapter 11. He says in verse 27, So if anyone eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthy, that person is guilty of sinning. Sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. 
He goes on to say that anyone who does this is in danger of God's judgment. Now underline, if you have your Bibles, underline or highlight Paul's warning at the end of verse 29, if you haven't had it underlined already. If we eat or drink unworthily, we are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. It's a serious warning. I don't know how how we, I don't know are we are, are we so numb with warnings or we don't heed to warnings anymore. Sometimes we we, we are right because we're like well oh, this is an exaggeration. I don't think that's what he really meant. That's why when we when we when I try to teach the word of God, I try to teach from the negative. I try to tell you guys what it's not saying, other than teaching on the positive, which is what it's saying. We have to learn it both ways. So there's that warning. So it heeds, right? It pays for us to heed to a warning. It says here, it, it is a serious warning that none of us should ignore. Look at verse 30. They, in verse 30, takes it a step farther and says that some members of the Corinthian congregation were sick and others had already died. That's what he means when he says they are asleep. They died. See, guys, church, our God is a holy God. Amen? Our God, our loving God, is a holy God. If we miss that part, we tend to be condoning of our sinful ways. We shall not forget that, the truth of the matter, that God is a holy God. The only reason why we can come to him is because of what Christ has done. So when we observe the Lord's Supper, we are to see that for what it is. This was the reason why we are saved. This is the reason why we are accepted by a holy God. So when we're praying and we're saying, Think about it. Think about the sins that you have committed against God. Because if you drink or eat for, in an unworthy manner, you are to reflect. You have to think about it. Now, the key point here is what we must make sure is that we must make sure we don't take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. But that brings up a key question for the, the keen mind, the observant. What does it mean... To take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Let me tell you what I think it means. To take the Lord's Supper in an quote-unquote unworthy manner is to focus on something besides our great need for Christ. Christ's great sacrifice or God's grace in making Jesus that sacrifice. Sometimes when we take of the Lord's Supper and we say, examine yourself, Make sure you are not taking it in an unworthy manner. Is this, this is the, 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 most of the time people think, oh, I sinned today, so I'm not going to take, I'm not going to partake of it. I haven't been intimate with the Lord, so I'm not going to partake of it. I just yelled at my wife, so I'm not going to take care of it, uh, take of it. I just kicked my dog, so I'm not going to partake of it. We think it's us to make us worthy. Or the opposite is we think we are deserving to partake of it. See? 
you have to take your eyes off you more than taking, putting your eyes on Jesus. Look, look at Jesus and then look at yourself. Because if you're truly looking at Jesus, if you're truly learning who Christ is, if you're truly learning on what it took God for us to be with Him, if you're truly studying Him, you're going to see that we are unworthy. So taking it in an unworthy manner is removing our eyes, our focus of Christ. That's what it means. To put it in another way, God's judgment comes when people who should know better take his son's death lightly. This caution should make us quit taking the Lord's Supper. Shouldn't make us quit, I should say. This caution shouldn't make us quit taking the Lord's Supper. Instead, he tells us what we should do, which is in verse 28. Do I still have everybody? Verse 28, it says, uh, this is the New Living Translation. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. The key responsibility in this section is that we are to examine ourselves. We are to make sure that when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we are focused on our sins and God's great gift, not impressing someone else. We must never come to the Lord's table lightly. What He did for us cost God too much. Amen? Too much. All of this brings us to the most important part of this afternoon service, which is the importance of the Lord's Supper. The importance of the Lord's Supper is, is in, your, in verses 23 to 26. Now, though millions of Christians have celebrated the Lord's Supper since that first night Jesus shared the bread and wine with the twelve, each time we take the bread and juice each time we take the bread and juice ourselves is special because the sacrifice Jesus made wasn't just for others. It was also for us. It's also for us. So the order for you to really see that it's special is if it's about you, right? I have a gift for you. So that gift becomes special, more special because it's a gift for you. Now if I tell you I have a gift for someone else, why would you care? Right? You're like, okay, big deal. Why'd you even tell me? So this is for us. It has been celebrated by millions of Christians, but it still doesn't take away the importance of it because this is being celebrated for you and me. The sacrifice Christ made is so big. It was for the sins of this entire world, yet it is also so personal. It's so personal because it was for each one of us. Here is the reason the Lord's Supper is so important. The question, what is the importance of the Lord's Supper? The importance of the Lord's Supper is to focus on the Lord and the sacrifice He made, the giving up of His body, this is my body, and the shedding of His blood. The focus is not on those who stood around, watching him die that, many, that, that day many years ago. It wasn't on the Jewish leaders who were putting him to death. It wasn't on those who died with him that day. It isn't on us either. 
while it's incredibly significant for us, we're not the focus of the Lord's Supper. We are not the focus of the Lord's Supper. So what is the focus of the Lord's Supper? The focus of the Lord's Supper, as the answer is simple, it is profound too. It's on the Lord. He must be the focus. It's his death for us that we celebrate each time we take the bread and the juice. Now, think about it. Think about that thought for a second and reflect on the last time you partook or you shared with the Lord's Supper. How was your attitude? Was it just something that we need to do? Like, oh, well, let's just get this done. You know, I need to like, go to the restaurant right after the service. Hurry up, hurry up. Like, oh, I guess I'm going to eat this cracker again. Now this, I'm really hoping that our focus, our heart's focus and our mind's focus will change. And whenever you hear, it's going to be the Lord next week, next Sunday, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Hopefully it's, it's faced with reverence and, and excitement in your heart. Because the significance of this. Our focus is to be on the Lord. Now, a following following question um, comes again. How are we to do that? How can we focus on Him as we should? The reasonable question, that's a reasonable question, and there is a simple answer. The key word in this middle section is the word remembrance. If you are still on on your Bible, you look at the word, look for the words remember. In remembrance of me. That is the key word. A form of this word is found at the end of the verses. In verse 24 and verse 25. At the end of the verse, Jesus gave these instructions. Do this in remembrance of me. At the end of the, ver- of the verse 25, Jesus gave nearly identical instructions. He said, do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Now, did you catch the key word, right? Remembrance. Why do we need to remember? Why do you have a note thing and an alarm thing on our phones, yet we still forget? Because our tendencies, we forget. So we forgot, at times, we forget that it was Christ And what he did on the cross, that's why we're in a relationship with God ourselves. It it is God's sacrifice. It was his love. That's why we get to be focused on on celebrating our eternity with the Lord. We have that hope that all this this craziness happening in the world, we know that at one day, at one time, God will judge everyone. That's our hope. Our hope is in Christ. And the Lord's Supper tells us that. Remember. Do not forget. So I don't know if you're like me. I have all the alarms. and I put appointments here. I put it there. One week alarm. One hour. Two hours. And then, and then remind me. Remind me. And I still forget. The way we keep our focus on Jesus is to remember what he did for us. 
Well, so when we say, keep your eyes on Jesus, right? When, when, I'm, when I'm trying to counsel people and they're going through trouble, going through tr- their trouble with their, their spouse or their children, I say, keep your eyes on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. And how are you supposed, what, what comes to mind when you're focusing on Jesus? Him dying on the cross for your sins and mine. Why did he die on the cross for you? Because he loves you that much. If you're feeling unloved by your spouse, know that God loves you. If you're feeling unloved and alone, know that God loves you. This is the way we keep our focus on Jesus. We are to remember what he did for us. The Lord's Supper, in essence, built upon the focus of the Passover. Do you guys remember the Passover? Jesus gave it to his followers on the night when they celebrated the Passover together in the upper room. Now, think about that for a moment. A little bit background again. The Passover, the Passover had been a means of remembering what God had done when he delivered them from Egypt. Remember? When, when, when had anybody who didn't have the blood of the lamb in their doors, the angel would, came in and killed all the firstborns of the Egyptians. But the angel of death passed over the houses of the Israelites because of the blood of the Lamb. Do you think it was an accident or a coincidence that Jesus had the last supper during the Passover? No. God is in details, amen? Just read the book of Leviticus. He is into details. There is no accident with God. So when he tells us, remember, he knows. Because there will come a time, or many times, that we will forget why we even belong to him. Why we even celebrate it. You're thinking like, oh my gosh, it's so legalistic of Pastor Joe. Why do we even have to do the Lord's Supper again? I mean, we're saved by grace, right? Why do we even go to church, man? I'm saved by grace. Why do I have to go to church all the time? Right? We, we tend to make things about us and we forget what Christ has done for us. The Lord's Supper is about remembering what Jesus did when he went to the cross for us. It's about recognizing his great sacrifice. His great sacrifice and our great need for that sacrifice. Amen? It's a good amount of amen. I'll, I'll go with that. Now, they ate bitter herbs during the Passover, and they retold the story of what happened to their ancestors. In fact, nearly everything about the Passover celebration was intended to refresh refresh the memory of those celebrating by helping them to remember all God had done for them in the past. That's one of the reasons it was so natural that this meal came out of the Passover. The Last Supper, as recorded in the Gospels, occurred during the Passover. The Lord's Supper is about remembering what Jesus did when he went to the cross for us. It's about recognizing his great sacrifice and our great need for that sacrifice. Amen? Remembering. Do you remember what you ate this morning? Maybe, if you ate. I didn't eat, so I remember I didn't eat anything. Did you, do you remember what you ate last Friday in the morning? Mm-mm. Some of you probably would. 
because you have a scheduled meal. Sure. But do you remember most of the things that you need to remember? Sadly, we don't, right? Our, our mind fails us at times. Today, we still use reminders to keep us from forgetting things which are too important to let slip from our memory. Take, for instance, this picture on the screen now. <laughs> this is a picture of our founding pastor and his wife, Pastor Julius Aquino and his wife, Tita Gina Aquino. Some of you probably met them. Some of you probably have, did not meet them. They are the founders of this church. 16, almost 17 years ago, they gave their lives for this church. They gave up their nice, beautiful home in Georgia because they were called to come here and start a church here. Pastor Julius, for a year and a half, had to stay in a room that was provided by Pastor Charles in his house. And he left his, his wife there because his wife, Tita Gina, said, I need to be called as well because she didn't want to come. She, need, she didn't want to come. She, she shared that. She didn't want to come. And the other guys here, you guys probably know, this is a, a John John over there when he was much younger. Deacon Vince there. And Warren when he was Justin Bieber. <laughs> now, they gave nine years of their lives here for, that, for this church to exist here in Reno. How about the next slide? This is a, a picture of a... Um, when they celebrate Memorial Day. Uh, it's a, Memorial Day is a fed, federal holiday in the United States to honor and mourn the U.S. military personnel who have died in the course of carrying out their duties. This holiday is observed on the last Monday of May. The holiday was observed on May 30 from 1868 to 1970. Me, many people visit cemeteries and memorials on Memorial Day to honor and mourn those who died while serving in the U.S. military. Now, we have some active guys here. Uh, we have uh, uh, Naomi right now and, and Romel. So um, I know Robert served in there too. But this is when, because they, they died in service so that we can enjoy our freedom. That's why there's a part where we have to remember them. And it's good for us to remember it's not about the barbecue. Although we enjoy the barbecue, right? In the hot weather, we're like, oh yeah, barbecue memorial weekend, three-day weekend, yahoo. But we forgot why we're celebrating it. Now you have that in mind, and you look at the Lord's Supper. We try to make it, I think this was designed to get their attention that it's something to be, to be reverent about, right? John, don't you think? Because I think if we would just put this in a paper plate, all the more you're going to think, like, oh, what is that, man? Do we really need to do that? So we really spent money on this thing here. But it's the representation that's in there that's really important. So when we say, hey, next week is the Lord's Supper, hopefully there's reverence in your heart. There's a grip. There's a, there's a pinch in your heart. You're like, oh. And then when you see it, when you take it, when we say, take, partake of the bread. This is my body. And let's all partake of the bread. You're all going to remember. Why? Amen? If I could please have Deacon John and um, Deacon Orly to come up here. And um, Brother John, John John will play, or is it Will? 
They will play a song. And as the song plays, people from the back, please line up. Same, same procedure. Come up front and take the elements. Do not eat it or drink it yet. We will all partake together. Okay, come on guys, don't be bashful. So if you have your bread, 
verse 23 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 reads, For I received from the Lord what I also passed unto you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's all partake of the bread. Now, for the Jews, I'd like for us to have Tita Lorna. Tita Lorna will play, and you guys can sing. We have the hymns there. Go to uh, page 135. She's going to play nothing but the blood of Jesus. As she's playing that, before we partake of the juice, go ahead and play the video. Go ahead and play the video, John John. There was a lot of complaints. You guys can sing. You want to lead them? 
by the blood of Jesus. We, when God sees us, we are white as snow. Now, as you have seen and think about the crucifixion and when Christ's blood was shed, think about that because that's your sin that put him in that cross. It's our sin that put him in that cross. So, on verse 30, on verse 25, it reads, In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's all partake of the juice. Now, as we come to the end of this service this afternoon, I must ask, I'm looking around, I think you've all accepted Christ. But if you haven't accepted Jesus' death as a substitute for your sins, I know it's a serious question, but it must be asked, have you made your peace with God? Jesus' death in your place doesn't do you any good if you don't accept it and you don't make it your own now how do you do that you do it by just this afternoon accepting jesus as your lord and savior amen and verse 26 again as we finish out for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes amen 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 let's please join me in the word of prayer as a Music team, make their way up here. Um, Father, we thank you for your message for us this afternoon. We thank you for the bread and the juice, Lord God, that represented your body and your blood. You did it because you love us, Lord God. You did it because we need it. You did it because it is the only way to satisfy your wrath. It is the one true payment for our sins against you. Father, we pray for your believers that are here this evening, may you bless them, Lord God. Bless them with the truth that you've given tonight, that it will remain in their hearts and in their minds. And as they approach in the next, in the next coming Sundays, Lord God, that when we see the Lord's Supper, when we know it's the Lord's Supper, may we value it for what it truly is. A very important thing for us. Forgive us for taking it for granted, Lord God. Forgive us for, for not seeing and forgetting the significance of it. But we are so grateful for your grace and mercy that is new every morning. We ask all these things in your son's sweet and mighty name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all the Lord's people said, Amen, Amen. amen. Let's